0: Well, welcome everyone to part two of this series, and as I often like to do, just wanted to give a shout out and welcome to all those who are watching or listening online later in the week or maybe years from now. It was great, uh, great to have you um, and uh, are blessed to be able to share the message with you today. For those of you that weren't here last week, um, I wanted to get you kind of caught up on the big idea of this series. You know? When you get to the beginning of a new year, it is, tends to be a time that people think about the bigger picture. For some, it's for a moment. <laughs> for others, it might be longer than that, that they think about it, and even put together some plans and some goals and some resolutions. And what we're saying in this series is that it's hard to make goals that matter if you're not seeing clearly. Let me illustrate this with kind of a corny example, but it'll make the point. am on the screen here. You see a picture of a room. If I were to ask you to give me some decorating advice for this room, first of all, all the men would tune out. And secondly, all the women would say, well, how can I do that? I can't see the room very clearly. It's hard to put a plan together if you can't see clearly. And that's the whole idea behind this series. And, and so this is kind of the... This is kind of the series that comes before you make the goals. This is the the messages we need to hear before we make the resolutions or put together the plans. And last week we said it this way. The more clearly you see, the better your vision will be. The more clearly you see life, the better your goals will be. The more clearly you see your life and what really matters, the better your plans for life and this next year Will logically be. We want to have 2020 vision in the year 2020. So this week's topic is one that I know in varying degrees affects everybody. And the truth is that the older you get, the more you experience this topic that we're going to talk about. What we're going to be looking at today is something that might also tend to hinder how you view your day, take away some optimism for the new year. In a word today, what we're going to talk about is pain. Or some other ways to talk about it would be hardship, difficulty, disappointment, life not going the way you want it to go. A couple weeks ago, uh, my 12-year-old daughter and I uh, went ice skating at uh, Cherryview Element, or Cherryview Park. And whenever I go ice skating, which is about four or five times a year, I'm, I'm this guy, you know, or I, I do my best. Um, the skates that I use were given to me by my father-in-law. Twenty years ago, he gave them to me. And guess why he gave them to me? Because they were old. So if you think about that, 20 years ago, he gave me skates that he gave because they were old 20 years ago. I mean, these things are classic. It's like a classic car. They're called super tacks, and I mean, they've got a lot of wear and tear to them. One of the things that's worn out is the cushioning. And so when we were ice skating, I noticed as I was strapping on the hockey skates that I forgot to wear long, thick socks. And so we were there, we skated anyway. About 15 minutes into skating, this irritation on the back of my left leg, it was just bothering me as something was rubbing from the back of those old skates on my leg. Now, I'm with my 12-year-old daughter. I can't sound like a wimp, so I didn't say anything about it. Let's just keep skating. Didn't say anything about it. Well, about 10 minutes after that, I looked down, and I'm bleeding on the back of my leg. And it was at that point, you know, I'm a basketball guy, not a hockey guy, right? This is just not worth it. I'm not skating anymore. I'm getting rid of the skates, meaning we're going to be done, and I don't want to endure this pain anymore. And, And that whole episode is symbolic of what we do when pain comes. But before that, let me ask this question. What's causing you pain right now? As you think about your day, as you think about your year, what hardship are you enduring? What difficulty is on your mind when I talk about pain? It could be something right in the moment. It could be something from years ago that is still affecting you. And the truth is, there's different levels of pain. There's the, the, the level of pain when it comes to super tack hockey skates giving you a little owie on the back of your leg. Maybe there's other not-so-difficult pains like this. Here's a list of them. A flat tire can cause you disappointment, or a broken water heater. You don't want it, but you can fix it. The blue screen of death on your computer, all right? When that happens to me, Matt's office is right next to me. I just say, hey, Matt, I need some help, and that's how I fix it. But anyway, stress at work, stress at school, stress at home. Um, I probably should cover this one up a little bit, uh, there's only one group of fans that are happy every year. Let's just put it that way, okay? Only one team can win all the games, and football for everyone else can be a little bit of a challenge at the end of the year, it causes some pain. But all of these things, quite fixable. Maybe these three are a little bit harder. But there's another level of pain, and difficulty, and hardship that that aren't so easy. Um, a job loss especially when it comes out of the blue and it just rocks your world. Financial hardship, which can sometimes come from a job loss or maybe some bad decisions in the past. A wayward child, this gets more difficult as the kids get older. When they're younger, you just put them on time out. When they get older, not so easy. A broken marriage, maybe you're still together, but it feels broken. Depression, loneliness, a serious illness, the death of a loved one? Truth of the matter is, life is filled with pain and hardship and difficulty. And if you've ever felt those things, you're not alone. Now, our first fill-in tells us what we often do with it. Our natural reaction to pain is to remove it like I did with the skates. In fact, it's kind of weird, think about this, God wired you with that reaction. Have you ever accidentally touched a hot iron, or the grill, or a pot or pan while it's on the stove? You know what you didn't do? When you touch that iron, you didn't think, huh, this is hot, I think I might remove my hand now. God wired us where it's just like you recoil because we naturally, our natural reaction is to pain, is to remove it. And the truth is, when you feel pain, we work hard to remove it. When my daughter experienced the pain of a flat tire, she worked hard to remove it, not by putting the spare on. What did she do? Called dad, exactly and I helped alleviate her pain. In fact, I gave her the car that worked, and I stayed with the car that I needed to change the tire. And that's what dads do, right? It's fun. Um, we, we go to the doctor. We go to counseling. We watch the TED Talk. We um, go to treatment, uh, whatever it might be. But when there's pain, we work hard to remove it. But sometimes we can't. And so there's another thing that we often do with pain. We ask God to remove it. Now, for some of us, we're still at the stage in our life where we do the first thing first, we work hard on it, and then when that doesn't work, <laughs> then we turn to God. I think we all want to get to a point where the second thing comes first, and we you do those two things in tandem. But you've had those remove it prayers, right? Lord, fix it. Lord, heal it. Lord, defeat it. Lord, get rid of it. And in my experience as a person and as a pastor, what I've found is it is at that very moment when people are asking the Lord to remove pain and it's not removed. Has that ever happened to you? It's at that moment where people are the most susceptible to doubt God, to doubt God's love, to doubt God's presence in their life, to doubt that God is there at all. And I just want to acknowledge, I get that. I've been there. I understand. Because for us, it seems so clear what God should do if he is loving and all-powerful, and yet he's not doing what we're asking him to do. So what is up with that? Could there be something else going on in that moment? Could there be something else that God is trying to think of or trying to do? That's what we want to talk about today. The verses that we're going to dig into um, happened or were shared by Christ the night that he was going to be arrested and 24 hours from when he would be buried in a tomb. And as he's with his 12 best friends, at that point it would have been 11, 11 disciples, He understands all that's going to be happening in the next 24 hours and and the amount of pain that he, Christ, is going to go through as not just the crucifixion, but that he'd be forsaken by God, that he would experience hell itself in our place. But in his love, he also understood that there would be a certain semblance of pain that the disciples would be going through. Have you ever had to watch a loved one die? like almost all of us. It's not easy, is it? Now, if you've ever had to see someone that you love die and they were in a great deal of pain while it happened, that's worse. And when someone you love dies, there's a hole there that in many ways never quite gets replaced this side of heaven. And Jesus understood there'd be that hole for the disciples as well. And not just a whole, but because they were connected to Jesus as his followers, they would probably be on the hit list of the Jewish leaders next. In fact, if we look through history, most of those 11 disciples were eventually martyred for their faith. But Jesus understood that they were at this crux of following Christ, but recognizing there was going to be pain in their life from this point moving forward. And he wanted to share with them some insight. Turn to John chapter 15. This is the night that Jesus was arrested and the day before he died. Jesus starts this way. I am the true vine. Now, what Jesus is saying is, just like branches on a vine or branches on a tree get their life from that central vine or the the trunk of a tree, so also we get what we need, what we need the most from Jesus. And what Jesus is understanding is that in just a little bit, you're going to want to run from me because there's going to be this pain going on. And in fact, we know that's exactly what the disciples did. Jesus is arrested just an hour or two later. The first thing they need to do is run. It's at moments of hardship and pain that we are the most susceptible to run from God. Whether that be physically or most of the time, it's more of an emotional and spiritual thing. And so Jesus gives this encouragement next. He says, so remain. And this word remain is found five times here. In two verses, it's found 10 times in 10 verses in this context. Because why? Because Jesus wanted his disciples to get it. You're not going to want to remain. You're not going to want to stay connected. But Jesus says, remain in me as I promise to remain in you. You see his analogy? No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must stay connected. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. See, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When everything in you in the moment of God not seeming to be listening to your prayers, want to disconnect or want to doubt, Jesus' encouragement to the disciples, who in many ways are going to be going through some things that are probably way worse than anything we've experienced, his encouragement is, as hard as it might be, remain. Stay connected. And why? Let's go back to verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. This means there are other branches, or I'm sorry, um, there are other vines. There are other trunks that people want to find what they need from. But there's only one true vine. In fact, many of us have spent years of our lives trying to find that which we thought we needed for contentment or happiness or joy in things that are just imposters. Whether that be success or sex or wealth or relationships or whatever it is, there is only one true vine. There's only one place where we can get that which we need the most. And what he gives us isn't a bunch of happiness every day. What He gives to us is not taking all of our problems away. What he gives to us is taking all of our sin away. You see, the things we chase after in life are kind of like jalapeno artichoke dip. Have you ever had it at Sam's Club? My uh, my wife buys it, and I'm trying to tell her not to because she just did it last night again. And when she brings it home, I know it's good. And it brings a little bit of happiness to me. And then I eat too much. And I enjoy it. And then when I'm done, I'm like, why did I do that? Because <laughs> not only does my stomach hurt, but I just feel gross, all right? I ate too much. That's what the things of this world are like. It's like a caffeine high or a sugar high. And do they bring joy and happiness? Yes, for a moment. But the things that Jesus gives will give us joy and contentment and centeredness forever. And so Jesus is saying, there's a lot of vines out there. There's a lot of things you want to attach yourself to when pain comes. Stay with me, remain with me, because I am the true vine and our second fill in. Remain in Jesus because he offers you real life, what you and I really need. Jesus continues with this plant analogy or theme. He says in verse 1 again I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He calls God a gardener. Thought question What would the goal of a gardener be? What's the main job of a gardener? Here's how I say it. Um, The gardener's goal is this, to to grow a healthy plant that produces lots of fruit. And this is a process. This might even take years. Have you ever had an apple tree that didn't give apples every single year? Um, It's not a quick process, It takes work. Not every day do you see the result, but the gardener is supposed to see the bigger picture. And his goal is to grow a healthy plant that produces lots of fruit. Okay? Verse two. This gardener God, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. All that is saying is when there are no fruits of faith, we'll talk about what that is in a second. When there are no fruits of faith, it's a tangible evidence that someone has disconnected from the branch. And so he cuts that dead branch off. Okay? But, it says, while every branch that does bear fruit, he. Now, this is a good branch. It's one that's alive, it's one that's bearing fruit, it's connected to the vine. Pain's, it hasn't run away. Okay? hasn't gone away, this person that he's talking about. And you would think, or how would you think you'd fill in this? What would the gardener do for that branch? You'd think, he'd say, he protects that branch. He, he looks to see the forecast. It's going to be freezing overnight. I'm going to put a blanket over it so it doesn't die. Um, he comforts that branch branch. He pampers that branch. He creates a perfect environment for it, like a greenhouse for it, all the time. That's what we would think the gardener would do to this good branch, but instead there's a different word. Every branch that does bear fruit, he, it says, prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. That's not what I was expecting, Brought an illustration along with me here today. Um, this is a hedge clippers that I use to prune things, plants and bushes and such, and this is a dangerous weapon. In fact, when my kids were little and still today, it's just a habit. I always put it way high so no one can reach it. Well, now my son can, but out of their reach because you get your finger in here, it's gonna hurt, right? There's going to be some pain, and there's pain in pruning. I, I was thinking of two bushes that I have in the front of our porch, and usually anything that's a plant, um, I tend to just accidentally kill. Um, not green thumb guy. But these two bushes have just grown tremendously in spite of their gardener. And a couple years ago, there's all these branches that were going onto our porch. And in fact, in front, they were going into other plants that we, had, um, we have planted there. And one day while Carrie was gone um, and I was off, I prune those two bushes and pretty much everything that was green was now gone and she got home she saw the bushes and she she was upset like what did you do to the bushes now what happened and i knew this would is that the next year those bushes looked better than ever they were shaped in a more well good way for where they were placed they were thicker than they had ever been, and they just thrived. Because our next fill-in, pruning, will lead to growth. When you prune something, it leads to growth. Um, pain in the short term or pruning in the short ter- term leads to growth in the long term. Prune or pain in the short term leads or causes growth in the long term. And if, if you felt like, you know, how come I'm the one that gets pruned all the time? How come I, I don't know, Lord, if I need so much pruning? I just want you to know, going back to verse 2, uh, remind you what Jesus said. He said that every branch. As long as we are on this earth... Every branch that bears fruit, he will prune so that it will be even more fruitful. Two things. I want you to realize and recognize that what we're talking about in this pruning is that there are painful situations in your life, disappointments, heartaches, and hardships that God has a purpose in. Now, that doesn't mean he's the author of those hardships. And here's what I mean by that. God does not cause evil. In love, he uses it. But the reason why there's pain and hardship in the first place is not because God decided that to be. The reason is because there is sin in the world and there's sin in us. And God in his love, even though we messed up this world, humanity did, he still finds ways to use the pain that we're going through for his good. And the fruit that we bear is not always the things that we necessarily want the most. These fruits could be summarized by um, Paul in Galatians when he talks about the fruits of the Spirit, like love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These attributes that we know are important, but they're, they're not as delicious at first bite as jalapeno artichoke dip, okay? But they're deeper, and they're more needed, and they're better. I know this takes a while to digest and to put our our minds around this whole pruning from God, and I I knew there'd be some pushback on this because there was pushback in me, and I was thinking about, are there other places in Scripture that might help explain this a little bit? Um, I thought about James. He's the half-brother of Jesus and he wrote the New Testament book of James. Here's what he wrote. He wrote, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you get a raise, whenever you get promoted, whenever things go just the way you want them to and God removes things when you ask him to. No, it says, Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. I don't get that. But James continues, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The Bible talks about life being a race. And in order to run that race, we need perseverance. And through our trials, that's what James says, God grows in us until they reach that finish line. Or I think of that New Testament pastor named Paul. And he had this big pain in his life that he wrote about a few different times, but he called it his thorn in the flesh. And he wrote about how he, he prayed the remove it prayer a bunch of times. In fact, there was three seasons of his life that he thought about where he just begged the Lord to remove it, to get rid of it. And each of those times, God said no. And as Paul's looking back on it, here's what he found the purpose was in. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn. You see, Paul looks back and says, you know what, there's a humility that God is working in me during those seasons where I was going through so much pain. And that's because pruning will lead to growth. And I was, I was thinking about this through the lens of my own life and the things that I've gone through. And you know, I was thinking like, all right, we talk about pain here for a moment. Like I could probably talk about something just about every day of my life, that there's a pain or a hardship and... Um, that's part of living in a sinful world. But there are these seasons, there are these events where the pain seems to be more intense. The difficulty seems to be harder. And you know, as I look back on those seasons of my life, I will say that I don't know if there was ever a season where my prayer life was more regular than in those seasons when God was pruning me. Or when I spent more time in the word or more time just thinking about God's presence in my life than in those seasons. Um, I read how one mom who had a child with cancer looked back on it years later that season and wrote something that was really surprising to me. But these are her real thoughts. She wrote, That time when my son had cancer was the worst time in my life. And in a weird sort of way, there are certain days that I miss it. And she wasn't wanting her son to have cancer again. But when she took the time to look back, she recognized that that was a season where God was pulling her closer where the master gardener was up to something better than just protecting her from everything, but instead was helping her to grow in her trust, to grow to be even more fruitful than if that thing had never happened. So what do we do when we have seasons of hardship? Should we just eliminate all the remove it prayers? Lord, bring it on. I'm here, prune me as much as you can. I'm not there yet. I don't know if I ever will be. And the truth of the matter is, you keep praying those remove it, heal it, defeat it prayers because God wants you to bring to him whatever it is that's on your heart. You pray those prayers. But in the meantime, maybe we can add something to our prayers that would be more in line with the real purposes that God has as the master gardener in our lives. What if we just slightly tweaked in the new year our prayer to say this? Dear Lord, I pray that you use this until you choose to remove this. Dear Lord, I I pray that you do what you've promised as the master gardener, to use the good times in my life and in some ways use even more so The difficult times, and that my mind and heart would be open to seeing and to knowing that you're going to use this until you choose to remove this. How would that affect your attitude? How would that affect your view of the new year? Ask God to take away the depression. Ask God to take away the cancer. Ask God to take away the financial hardship. Ask God to remove whatever it is between you and your spouse or you and your child. Keep asking those things. And until he does that, Lord, will you use this season to grow me closer to you? As most of you know, um, as I was applying this message, I couldn't help but think of my mother-in-law. And uh, uh, she, uh, my wife's mom, passed away uh, on January 2nd. And um, she was re-diagnosed with cancer last summer. And between then and January 2nd, um, there were countless remove-it-heal-it-defeat-it prayers said, thousands of them by hundreds of people. And um, God decided, hey— I have a different plan, and I'm, I'm going to bring her home to heaven. And it's so, not so long ago, and, and still, we're still all trying to figure things out, much like you've gone through with the, in your own life. We're by far the only people that have experienced death of someone that we love. We all have, right? And so we're maybe just a little too close to the event, but as I thought through the lens of God being the pruner, there were some things that opened my mind and heart. I thought about how, and I never was with her during treatment, but I was told about this, that whenever she went to treatment, she'd be there for hours. And every single time, she had conversations about heaven and about Jesus with other people who were also thinking about their mortality and getting treatment as well. And I could, now looking back on it, just see how God used this, even though he didn't Remove this. Or even as we watched her in her last days and think about this huge mountain that's in front of her and how she went through it and to it with grace and with faith and with trust and how God can use that to encourage and inspire others who someday or even now are facing mountains of their own. You know, the, the weird thing is that I said that God didn't remove her pain. But ultimately, he did, didn't he? You see, there's going to be a day when our Heavenly Father, the Master Gardener, comes. Or when we die, and he's going to take us to heaven where there will be no more mourning or sorrow or crying or pain. Someday, for all of us, our remove it, Lord, prayers are going to be answered. But until then, my encouragement is to remember the words of Jesus, to not disconnect from the vine, and to trust your master gardener. It's like Mr. Miyagi with a bonsai tree, okay? And sometimes, you need to be watered. And sometimes the master gardener knows the best thing for growth and for life is to protect. And sometimes the master gardener says, you know what, I think he needs to grow more. I think she needs to be pruned. And I'm going to use that pain until I someday remove that pain. Don't let your pain discourage you from big things in serving God in the new year. Don't allow it to allow you to be hopeless or to to not see the opportunities that are there in your life in this new year. What if the greatest thing that God could do in your life is to use your pain instead of to remove it right now? Let's pray. Dear Lord, Lord, This is hard to talk about. It's even harder sometimes to apply. And there's so many different situations and circumstances in this room that are being thought about right now. And and Lord, you you perfectly know each one of them. And and Lord, I've never called you gardener before, (laughs) but Jesus did, and I see why. And I would just pray a, a prayer of trust over this group that we would all trust that you know exactly what we need. We're the branches, your son is the vine, and you're going to grow fruit in us the way that you know best. If it's a remove it season, wow, thank you, Lord. If it's a use it season, thank you, Lord. And we look forward to that day when we get to spend eternity with you and when we don't have to deal with pain anymore. Be with us until then, dear Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.